keep a level-headed approach towards uh, what's playing out here as far as this uh, Fed debate. And well, to help us with that debate, Jake Hanley joins us this morning, the Managing Director and Senior Portfolio Strategist, Tecrium Trading. Jake, good to have you with us here. And well, we started off the show talking about a few focal points for investors and traders into the cash open. Inflation, definitely one of those Fed speakers for that matter, especially with comments from Bullard coming across the wire here today and this morning as we speak. Talk to us about uh, what's the tone you're picking up on. Oh, Ben, thank you. Good morning. Uh, always a pleasure to be with you. Uh, look, I think the big message here is that the inflation data shows that the Fed is winning the war okay. against inflation, but that doesn't mean we necessarily should expect a ceasefire from the Fed. Okay. okay. The risks of inflation still outweigh the downside risks of a slowing in the economy. And I think that's the point that the investors really need to keep in mind. The Fed has been explicit in saying so. Now, I've been a little surprised to see uh, the trade, as you mentioned, going back to November 10th. Uh, we saw some technical levels break on 10-year yields. Uh, we saw some good price action in equities. The dollar index came back down. I think last time you and I were talking about that 110 level of support. All of that tells me that market participants are playing this pause or this pivot um, you know, narrative again, okay? Curiously enough though, Ben, when you look at the Fed futures pricing, on November 1st, Fed futures were pricing roughly a 5% peak in Fed funds rate going out to May of 23. Guess what? Today, it's relatively the same. So nothing has necessarily changed in the Fed funds futures markets, but yet you still see the 10-year treasury doing what it's doing, stocks doing what they're doing, and dollar doing what it's doing, it leads me to believe there might be something else that traders are taking into account here. Jake, you put in your notes, simply put, there's still too much money in the economy. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's absolutely the case, Ben. You know, really interesting. We, we talk a lot about money supply. Um, obviously, being involved with food commodities, inflation is a big theme for us. And when you look at M1, okay, and think of M1, you can find on the Fed's website, is basically the money that's in the economy that's ready to be spent. This is money in your checking account. It's the cash in your wallet, okay? M2 includes money that you have in money market funds, uh, you know, on-demand savings accounts, things of that nature. We talk a lot about M2. I hear a lot of people mentioning M2 when they refer to money supply. What I find very interesting is when you take M1 as a percentage of M2, Historically, you see that rate at about 25%. That's going all the way back to the 70s. When we got direct deposits from the Treasury into consumers' checking accounts, COVID crisis, we needed to help people out. A lot of money went into people's checking accounts. M1 became 90 plus percent of M2. That's a lot of cash in people's pockets, okay? And we're still dealing with those effects. And that money is largely still out there. Um, and so the Fed is still in a battle against inflation. And I fully expect uh, Bullard statements are in line with what we're gonna hear from Kashkari later today as well. Yeah, I think uh, what we're seeing in rates here, and actually we're looking at the tenure right now, pretty good reflection of how the Fed is uh, still having to battle inflation here. It wouldn't surprise me to see uh, uh, market find a little bit of support down here as it digests some of the recent data. And well, we're still awaiting the next CPI number, the uh, uh, housing number, I'm sorry, 
getting ahead of myself here, Jake, uh, the uh, employment non-farm payrolls as well. One more look at prior to the December Fed meeting. But speaking of data, we have some here today. Jobless claims. We've got the housing numbers uh, due out at the bottom of the hour. Definitely uh, one of the blips on the radar for the Fed, for investors, for traders, uh, uh, maybe not at the top of the list. But it looks like I saw it lower this week, the second month in a row uh, that we would see those numbers lower, the first time since January, uh, February of 2021, Jake. Yeah, it, you'd expect that. I mean, that's consistent with higher rates. Um, and, you know, we've seen some some nice surprises in permits. I believe Kevin was talking about that in the prior segment. Mm -hmm. um, you know, look, we, we do have some conflicting data, uh, strong consumers. You know, we had good retail sales numbers yesterday. Uh, we had decent housing permits, you know, reported in the past. That conflicts with the idea that consumer demand is slowing. I think ultimately, though, when you're, you're looking at rates going higher, uh, housing starts are going to slow. Housing permits are going to slow. These things are going to come down and continue to put pressure uh, throughout the rest of the economy. You know, recessions, when they start with rising interest rates, they hit housing first, and then you have uh, the effect of hitting new orders, right? Consumers that aren't buying houses aren't buying washing machines and new ovens and things of this nature. And that eventually hurts profits, which hurts employment. And so it's, there is a lag effect here, which is why a lot of people are calling for a pause or a pivot. They, they want the lag effect mm. to play out. Um, but again, I, I don't think you're likely to see that because yes, we are facing a recession if we aren't already in one, but that's the goal. The Fed has told us they want to crush the animal spirits, uh, to put it bluntly, to slow down inflation. And that's that's what we should expect. Jeremy Hunt, uh, UK Chancellor, saying that the uh, UK is in a recession officially. He declared that this morning. And you know, to your point, I like that as far as uh, uh, what we're seeing in terms of housing reflection of that uh, and the recession talk here. I mean, if we uh, actually do get into one and, and widespread acceptance thereof uh, that narrative, I mean, you have to add into all of that the fact that we've got high inflation amidst all of this and. Uh, a war on Ukraine, which is still ongoing. I mean, that's a major uh, component in this discussion as well, and it feeds into it directly, uh, not necessarily in a positive way. Talk to us, Jake, in terms of the latest out of Russia. Yeah, the latest out of Russia, we have news that uh, the grain deal is going to get done. And so just right. to bring everybody up to speed, that's that's grain coming out of the Black Sea. Uh, that is very There was good some news. debate about that. There was some debate yeah. about it. And of course, we had the issue in Poland, which which kind mm -hmm. of muddied the waters, I think, short term here. Mm -hmm. But that deal is is done. It's extended for 120 days, okay. from what my sources are telling me. Um, so that's good. So that's going to put pressure on food prices near term. You know, Ben, take a big step back, though, and I think it's interesting for commodities in general. Uh, we've just put out a recent study showing that the population, global population, grew 75 percent from 1980. So if you're you know, around during the Carter administration era, um, you've seen the global population grow by 75%. Add to that that the global middle class has been expanding over the past 40 years. And what you have is exponential demand for commodities. It's certainly true for the food products uh, where people are buying you know, more animal protein for their diets. Animals eat more grains than humans do. So you have this exponential effect of more bellies and richer tastes, okay, that's going to underpin uh, your agricultural commodities for the near term. And then, of course, we know that we have an issue with production and refining capacity in the United States. Um, and so I think going forward, we could see some pressure on food and energy with the global slowdown. But as we look out more three, five years from now, mm. 
it's more likely that these markets remain highly volatile relative to the recent history. Um, and that's just a function of supply and demand and trying to keep up with this global demand is, is gonna be challenging. Jake, along those lines, in terms of the global demand narrative and kind of tying back to what I was talking about a minute ago as far as the UK, uh, we did see those numbers earlier this week, the CPI data, 41-year highs. I mean, year-over-year uh, -year inflation out of the UK, uh, we're talking 11.1%. Uh, a little bit of a different narrative, what we're seeing here in the US, though. It does seem like things are slowing, hopefully, right? I mean, I kind of look up to the sky as, as I say that. Yeah, and that could be one of those other factors that's impacting the dollar index right now, okay? okay. The, the Fed, you know, the PIV, maybe, that's that's what What's weighing on the dollar, you're saying? Right, exactly. Yeah. So what's weighing on the dollar is even if the Fed stops in, you know, Q2 next year at 5% yeah. or five and a quarter, like Goldman says, the rest of the world could still be in a tightening cycle. Right. Okay? Right. And so that could be weighing on the dollar, not necessarily a near-term pivot, but just looking out longer term of the Fed being ahead of the rest of the world again. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that, and I think you bring up a good point. You know, let's just look at the dollar, which has come under pressure recently, and we're only looking at the move from 113 here down to 105. We actually came off the 114.75 high uh, recently down to this lower level here, and no real rejection of this for the most part as of yet, and I just want to point to, and I think Jake brings up a good point. I mean, if we're starting to slow, and let's pull up the daily time frame here so we can see it. If we're starting to slow our pace of rate hikes, uh, the one thing that I noticed here was the euro currency this week taking out the August highs, but the dollar holding up above the August lows. So maybe that is a reflection again of us slowing the euro, the e EU, ECB, uh, the Bank of England having to keep their uh, foot on that brake pedal and keep the rate hikes coming uh, at a more aggressive pace. Jake, great breakdown this morning. It's good to have you on the show again. Jake Hanley from TQM Trading. Look forward to thanks, seeing ben. you back. Jake, thanks again.